Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Dale. I'm Sherry. And um, welcome to our Christmas special. Um, we're going to be talking about the movie The Christmas Dragon, which... <laughs> yeah. We watched a Christmas movie, a random Christmas movie. It was called The Christmas Dragon. It came out in 2014, and it is an hour and 46 minutes long, so it's a decent length movie. It's about a Christmas dragon. It is about a Christmas dragon. Uh, so this takes place in apparently medieval times. So was it medieval times, or was it established that if it was like a medieval world, or I don't know? I really of... can't tell because I don't think this is a major spoiler, but this seems to be taking place in medieval Europe. But despite it being like the week yeah. before Christmas. There's no sign of snow or cold or it being anything other than high summer. Yeah, it definitely it looks like summer and we're thinking, gee, they're not bundled. I up. even wondered if this was filmed in Australia and it isn't. It's filmed in Utah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. filmed in Utah. So they they were probably hot under there if anything. It was probably filmed during probably the summer. Probably in summer in Provo. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And, like, and because Utah does get winter, sort of, and, you know, you get, you get, uh... But it looks like they didn't bother to wait till winter to do no. the... Or, or even think, use fake snow, or... Well, I think they just didn't want to... I, I think they, they were, were going to bother using fake snow. She might just Um, um, but... I, 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 it might be that, and it's just like they might just have been like, yeah, it's just easier to film in the summer because everything's a lot more uh, bright and filmable, and you can do things. And yeah, they, they didn't make it look wintry at all. Uh, didn't necessarily look like it was. You didn't necessarily get that it was uh, Utah, but yeah, you sort of do if you look at it after a certain point. Um, so anyway, yeah. Well. I have a friend in Utah, and it is quite chilly there right now, especially, like, at night, but, uh... But I genuinely wondered if it was Australian with, you know, Christmas taking place in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a reasonable enough guess. So, anyway... Filmed in Utah, probably not during Christmas. It starts off with a girl named Aiden, spelled A-Y-D-E-N... And she lives with her parents, I think they're peasants, and she gets a kite for Christmas from Father Christmas, who, yes, actually exists in... Actually, this movie has a lot to do with Father Christmas. Yes. It revolves entirely around Father Christmas. That it does. Uh, So, yeah. Um, It's not really fully defined uh, what he is about, but do put a few tropes, Santa tropes in there with, including, uh... And he's a toy maker, and... And he, he, he delivers toys, and he also somehow keeps the balance of that world intact. So, so two, uh, tax collectors named Gazared, um, she's the woman, and the man born tall... I don't really know what's with those names, but... Gazaret and Borntal. Yeah. 
I, 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 I'll be honest, I forgot the, the names for a lot of them, but, yeah, that's, uh, I do remember, uh, those two buttons, I'm pretty sure I know the ones you're talking about. And, pardon me, the dog wants to be let out. So they come to collect taxes for the local lord, who I really should have written the name down of, but he's so unimportant to the entire story. Yeah, he's just... And the implication is very strong that they're taking what they want from the taxes themselves. Yep. And so Aiden's parents, they say they've already paid up the taxes for the Lord and Gazaret and Borntal arrest them in this sort of horse-drawn cage wagon. And Aiden runs away because they also were going to take her to work in the mines. Finds a clutch of dragon eggs and the men working for the two tax collectors, they see the clutch of dragon eggs, they're going to take the eggs to sell and the dragon parents attack and Aiden gets a small wound on her arm. Gazaret and Borntal just take the horses and hightail it out of there. Yeah. Um, Aiden's parents in the prison wagon ask to be freed and Gazaret tosses them the keys to yeah. let themselves this out, is, but that's all. This is all. the first thing I noticed, and Sherry commented on this. She briefly stepped out to deal with the dog. But, uh, we, so, uh, I, I, I noticed this as well, but she commented on this. So they don't free themselves in time. They get torched by the dragon. The dragon is like, you know, in full angry dragon mommy mode and is going around, you know, killing people. Burning anything it sees that is near its nest. It's swooping down and it's already taken like two of these guys just by swooping down and carrying them off. And uh, it's burning everything and it burns their parents. And Sherry pointed out, and I agree with her on this, they really, and I think that it's sort of a fight or flight thing. They're fight-or-flight instincts fail them, and sometimes that happens. But do you There's really some... think that they could have been quick enough to unlock that cage and run for it? I think they could have do- dove out of the way. They might not have been able to... It looked like the dragon was just randomly... Maybe they were things. hoping to be the thing that's not moving, like when the dinosaur... Yeah, they may have estimated it wrong. I mean, I feel In they Jurassic could have Park. done better. Yeah, I feel they could have done better, but... I'm not going to fully judge that, because who knows what would have happened if I were in that situation. Um, well, I could tell a dark story, but I'm not going to do that. I don't think... Please I don't. Sh- probably shouldn't do this during a Christmas... Uh, uh, I Christmas try to keep special. the appropriateness levels similar okay, to that of the, the thing that it is. Yeah. Well, Aiden ran away... Gazaret and Borntal ran away. Everyone else got burned by the dragon. Yeah. 
want to say anything about the dragon design? What did you think of it? Um, I like it. I actually like it. It is cheesy and CGI-ish. They're very low-budget dragons. However, it is better than... It's like, I'd say... Me like early maybe twenty ten style CGI like not even good twenty ten style but like slightly higher TV budget, uh. But I like it because it it has big eyes. It's a little you know they look they look kind of like you know snakeish, and uh, still notably dragon, uh, both the uh. Oh, the dragon parents had kind of catfish barbells the... on their faces. Yeah, I thought like that a koi. was cool. I thought that was a really cool design. I thought the dragon design looked very similar to that from The Last Dragon Slayer, which yeah, is also see, a pretty low-budget dragon I've movie. I've never seen uh, that. That was, that was a different one, maybe. You saw it that. once, I think. Did I? I thought you did, but it was a while back. Is that with... Yeah, that's the one. Okay, I didn't see that one. Yeah, I only heard about it from you. Yeah, we might podcast that one eventually. Yeah, like, I think you've... Because remember, you required a European DVD player? and Yes, it did. Yeah, I didn't have that. and uh, Or access to it to watch it. and. Uh, what are you talking about? Your DVD player, it's European. Mine does now. It does now, but I thought it didn't do it before. Either way, whatever, I didn't see it. Uh, we are comparing the dragon it. to the one from The Last Dragon Slayer, which yeah. requires a European DVD player to watch. Yeah. Okay. So, um... Yeah, we were talking about the parents getting burned, Sherry, and how they... Oh, yeah. She, 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 <laughs> she, she... She I rolled my eyes. Yeah. She rolled her eyes because she agrees with me that they, they did not uh, make the right decision in time. They just sort of stood there. and. It's like, uh, yeah, they, they could have gotten out of the cell. They were tossed the key. Yeah. But they stayed there. And my, my guess was, oh, maybe they thought that if they stayed still, the dragon wouldn't go for them like that dinosaur from Jurassic Park. I know yeah. if they saw the dragon from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, they may have seen a lizard. They may have. That uh, was. Uh, yeah. That was well, well. Yeah, there's some references I can make to that. Anyway, moving on. They, they're dead. They're dead. Uh, the dragon is. Uh, the, the you have the uh, the angry dragon parent uh, attacking. So six years have passed, and we've got a nice medieval market. Aiden is there. There's also a boy named Finn who uh, has a lot of eye makeup. I think they tried to make him look like that guy from Vikings. Yeah, he. Well, they were tr- clearly trying to do that, and they were, I think, trying to like make him like look cool and also like you know i don't know they're trying to appeal to teens i guess they're trying to make it look uh like this is a movie i'd say is probably made for like preteens to teens like i could have imagined myself uh spoiler for rating my thought i could see myself liking this if i was like nine or something or ten like it would have been like one of those things and then it's like 
you know, I would have maybe grown out of it by a third. It's rated PG-13, but for all that, it's... Yeah, well, I guess it could be for, like, because there is violence. It's not, like, over-the-top violence, but you could just be... They could have been doing that to be sure. Oh, yeah, and, well, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Anyway. You also are very briefly introduced to Rosalind and Garrett... Yeah. And it's hard to, I thought maybe Rosalind and Garrett maybe had some sort of thing, but I don't know. He put a flower in her hair. I mean, make of that what you will. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't sure about where they were going with that either, but, you know. It's and Aiden gives food to a guy that's in the stocks, you know, medieval stocks, where they throw the vegetables at the guy in the... Yeah, she performs <laughs> an act of kindness. And you can see that she has a scar on her arm from the dragon injury those years before, and that will be semi-important to the plot later. Yeah. It seems that it has some sort of connection with the dragons, so spidey senses, if you will. Yep. Um, there's also a, a dragon a puppet show going on. Yeah, this is like flash forward to what, like, how many years in the future would you say? I said it was six years. Six years. Oh, was it confirmed? Yes, it's confirmed oh, okay. six years. Okay, see, I didn't even remember the six. And, well, her dragon senses are uh, alerted through the scar, and three dragons are flying overhead. And when they get home... Which appears to be it's an orphanage that's run by a nun and a priest. Yeah, that's right. I thought he was a monk, but they called him father, so... Yeah, and you were asking about... Father Mendel and sister... um, Lenora. Lenora, yes. There you go, sure he remembers their names. Oh, it's on on the card. Also Father Sakura. Yep. Tells them to be more careful about the dragon. And one of the boys in the orphanage named Rand tells the story of Father Christmas. Nicholas, who lived in a village not far from there, um, according to the story, he left money in a stocking to pay for somebody's wedding, and after he saw how happy they were. He devoted his life to helping people, and especially Giving he liked to make presents. children happy. And he used the magic to bring all the presents in one night. But they think the magic must be failing because they haven't found any presents in years. Yeah, it hasn't been Christmas in a long time. So this feels maybe a loose... This particular story that he was telling seems to be maybe loosely based on the original uh, yeah. St. Nicholas. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to make it We lived in Turkey. Like but... Yeah. Um, they're, they're trying to make it like that, the whole original uh, and they're also trying to, like I said, they put in like the whole, like, he slows time with the, with something which <laughs> becomes very important later on. Um, 
and he manages, you know, he, it's all these things that they've become pretty common, uh, Christmas tropes at this point. And, uh, Santa specifically tropes. And they're thinking that it's maybe because they don't believe, so they should try believing in their hearts. Yeah. But another thinks it's cruel to raise the children's hopes like that. Now, I should say these are not all the same age of kids. Some of them look like eight, and some of them are in their teens. Yeah, that's yeah. another thing. All these kids are, like, they're all together, and they're just sort of all there. And it's literally, like, an from eight to 18 type age uh, range. It's an orphanage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's an orphanage. That's what happens. But, you know, especially back, especially, I guess, back then or, you know... Any society with li- limited resources like that. So they head out in the woods to try making a wreath for Father Christmas, and they're gathering leaves and holly. And as I said, this is high summer. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's anywhere near Christmas time. Anywhere, but as I said, maybe Australia. And they find an elf who is like, holly berries are poisonous, so we're not, uh, we're not going to eat them, we're going to make a wreath. Yeah. And this elf looks more like a goblin. Yeah, well, that's sort of a plot uh, point. Yeah, it is. So what happens? Uh, he actually looks closer to a, a Harry Potter goblin than was to... Was it Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings one? Because it looked like there was one of each that was... I guess, uh, spoiler, goblins exist yeah. in this world, but the others look Lord of the Rings-like, and this one looks... But this one, this one, one he's former, not... It's not the full transformation. Elf. Yeah, that's probably why. It's probably like, oh, that's how elves... So he, he looks more like a Harry Potter goblin. <laughs> but here's the thing... Yeah, that's sort of a spoiler for this, is that, yeah, you get, like, goblins, elves, and uh, other goblins in here, but they all look, and they all look like, yes, like, extra uh, formats from, like, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, so it's like they clearly took certain designs and they're like... Let's just use them, save a little money on that, probably. Well, this one has not made the complete transformation. He's just most of the way. Yeah, and he has something important. So the elf tells Aiden that the magic is dying, and (coughs) the waystone that he's carrying led him to her. And the magic is being destroyed by the snarl. There will be no more Christmas. He used to be pretty, but the elves are becoming goblins. Yeah. Which, again, when I saw that, I was like, "Uh, I'm not sure the direction they're taking that. Might have been potentially cringe, but it... Again, it really doesn't go there. Instead, as Sarah I says, think it's more of a Lord of the Ringsy direction. Yeah, it becomes there. Lord of the Ringsy more than anything. So, it's just they're clearly they were sent designs. out to find the magic, and he's only lasted as long as he has because he has the waystone, yeah. and he gives it to Aiden and tells her to use it to find the magic. And as soon as he gives up the stone, he visibly makes the complete transformation into the goblin right before her eyes. And then he becomes basically a mindless 
Goblin. But he has like he's almost like White Walker ish or whatever. Like he's he's like his eyes are all weird. I don't know. The eyes turn black. Yeah, I guess they're black. I thought they were like bluish, but yeah. Remind me, I have sometimes issues with dark blue and black and other colors. Um, back at the orphanage, someone is talking with the monk about they're still after kids for the mines, and yeah, the the priest says that even. Orphans should be allowed to be children, but it's still, apparently, they did take one of the older kids, and they're coming back next day for another, and the implication is that these are Gazaret and Borntal again. Aiden proposes that they leave and they go looking for the magic using the waystone and the kids do leave through the window. And they're traveling through the woods and one of them suggests um, looking on the moss on the trees to determine which way is north. And now's the time I'll pedantically say that's not reliable. It's not... It's semi-reliable. You can look at, like, how much there is, but no, you can't rely on it like that. That's, uh, I learned that the hard way myself a few times. The logic is that the cold, more moisture-laden wind from the north makes the moss grow more thickly on that side, and often it does, but it doesn't always. Yeah, it's not 100%, and also you can't just be like, oh, it's here. You have to actually, you would have to actually really look at it, and you have to... Look at the direction. The me- it's meant to, so you look at it while you're looking at the direction and the light and all that stuff. So, anyway. And then, apparently, the kids have set up some sort of trap. I don't know why or how they managed to build one so quickly. But Rosalind is caught in the trap, and they think that she is going to tell on them but no, actually, she wants to go with them on their quest. And we're informed that Christmas is in four days. I've harped enough about the inaccurate weather, but yes, Christmas in four days, when it is so obviously summer. Yeah, again, summer in Utah. They find a boat no one's using, and they take it. And even though they say they don't have enough food, uh, one of the boys baits a giant fish hook with a block of stinky cheese. Which, if you can actually make it not fall off the hook, actually is a pretty legit bait for catfish. Yep. Something is in the water, and... Oh, yeah, this is the fun 
thing because we just rewatched this because we saw it when I first saw this. I thought it was a tentacle. The kid immediately falls in, and yes, you can see a sort of water serpent or dragon or maybe a Nessie sort of thing swimming. Yeah, upon further look, it's a. Uh, a what would you use it? How do you describe it, Sherry? Well, I I thought well, you only see it for a moment, so you don't have a good good chance to look at it unless you sort of a skinny crocodile serpent head. Yeah, and it has these scales, not side by side, but spaced out. These... It's not that much of a reach to mistake them for like <coughs> octopus suction. Yeah, well, they and the head is past goes past the screen really fast. So yeah, yeah it's. Not crazy that you made the mistake, Bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't see catch the head the first time. Yeah, the head looks like some sort of weird semi-crocodile, like, almost pseudo-dragon head. And the, what happened is that the, um, it had scales sticking out of it, but in a way that I thought that it was a tentacle. I thought they were suction, because you only see it briefly. And, you know... That, that's kind of cool because that even though it's like a cheesy effect that is something that like people can be arguing you know have a fun time arguing what they saw <laughs> and then of course the entire boat overturns so they're all in the water with it yeah. but it, it doesn't seem interested it doesn't go after any of them and it's got plenty of nope. opportunity to and of course Finn's makeup does not run at all yeah and well you see, like, a little bit of it sort of off, but I guess that is like, ah, I smeared it so much. Lots of heavily made-up people throughout this film fall into the water, and yeah. it never... Well, if they, if they stayed I in the water... I noticed this kind just, of thing. If they, if they stayed in the water, I'm sure they'd be, like, you know, like, part... It'd look like, you know, images of their face, but makeup form. <laughs> So they get onto shore, and um, one of them wants to build a fire, and Aiden is concerned that the smoke will attract the dragon. And um, same same boy says that no, the dragons smell smoke in their noses all the time, so they won't be able to tell the difference if someone's got a fire, which is, I'd say, a fair point. Um, Rosalind says that they still shouldn't build a fire. I feel bad about how often I get Rosalind and Aiden mixed up. Yeah, I do too, though. <laughs> and also, there, there's more than I get mixed up, too, as we're going to discuss soon. <coughs> <coughs> and then... Finn makes a wish, and that causes the stone to glow. And Rosalind goes off by herself to quote-unquote see how lost they really are. But actually she is worried about Garrett. And we'll see why in a few minutes. Yeah, we will. Then there's some travel montage scenes of going through woods, meadows, mountains. They reach a tavern and they got no money to pay for food. Finn orders bread and water anyway and offers to trade his slingshot. The innkeeper points to the last man who couldn't pay, all uh, caged up. 
Not actually sure why the innkeeper would want to keep him because that means it's going to have to feed him, right? Or, or maybe the idea is he doesn't. No one is friendly, and also Gazaret is there. Maybe Borntal's there too, I didn't notice. I, I thought I saw him in, like, in the background. Or like sort of off to the side. You in that's another thing. You get some weird shots with this. Oh, in the tavern? Yes. Yeah, I think he was in there. Yeah. So <clears throat> the kids are recognized and there's a commotion and the kids just start taking food during this and they free the guy from the cage who knows what a waystone is. They hitch a ride in the wagon trying to escape. No, no he yes. was in the cage because he, he had didn't not pay. paid for his food. Yes. Yep. And I, I was like, why would they want to keep him around? Don't they have to feed him eventually? And well, I'm like, maybe, maybe they maybe, don't. Maybe. maybe that's the dark, unspoken <laughs> part there. <laughs> they throw apples and slingshot apples at the pursuers. And after this, Rosalind explains that she had been bitted out and sold as an apprentice when she came of age. And they already took Garrett. So that's why she ran away from the orphanage. Yeah. That's why. Yes. The guy they let out of the cage in the tavern says his name is Eric. Now this is spelled A-I-R-K. Eric. Yeah. So not Eric. 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 Not quite. It's Eric. Eric, yes. He is surprised that the elf gave the waystone. And Aiden tells uh, Eric about seeing the elf turn into a goblin. And uh, Eric says it's like all of the magic was drained out of him. And confirmed that, yes, he turned into a goblin. And Aiden asks him if he knows where the magic is. And apparently Father Christmas's magic comes from an orb of the same substance as the Waystone. And Eric had it, but he lost it in a bet with an ogre. Yeah. I don't know why he would have bet this with an ogre, given how important he knew it was. But he did. But then he stole it from his father, too, so... Yeah. Yeah, but there at least was a reason he did it. Betting with the ogre is just stupid. He probably thought he could win, <laughs> and he was wrong. He's probably like, oh, surely I'll win and everything. He was wrong. <laughs> so they go after the ogre to get the orb back. First, they use a goat to distract it. Don't well, know where they got the goat from. Yeah. At first, they're like, no, you're not going to let the ogre uh, kill the goat. And like, no, the goat's just bait. Yeah. And this ogre is a guy dressed up in the most minimal of ogre costume. Really looks more like an orc outfit. Yeah, it looks like Lord of the Rings were cheaply done. That's what I was talking about, where it's like, yeah, you get like these other goblins that look like orcs, and then you have this large-looking orc. 
Uh, like he looked like he'd be like sort of a Orukai extra, but again, yeah, he's got like an Orukai kind of mask and some like furs tied around his yeah. waist. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, you know. uh, he looks cleaner than Eric. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he looks like he's better adjusted too. He's got you know a job and everything. Being an ogre. So they look in the ogre's cave. And there was a brief skirmish with the ogre, and they get the orb, and then the ogre's fur kilt loincloth catches on fire, and the ogre freaks out and knocks himself out. So they got the orb now. Hope the ogre's okay. Yeah, he's uh, just I, doing his thing. Just left him, so I'm sure that he was. I mean, <laughs> he didn't look like he was dead or anything. Eric doesn't know how to work the orb, but he will take them to the border of the north, but that's as far as he'll go. And you see these weird uh, symbols hanging from the trees. <coughs> Some of them looked a bit like the Deathly Hallows from Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. And... Eric says that bandits won't go in these woods because they think it's infested with goblins, but there are no goblins. Neither yeah. is true. Bandits and goblins are both there. Yeah, there are. And it's like, goblins are clearly a thing, so it's kind of weird that they say that, but... So... And they later say that there aren't, so it's like a very weird... I don't know. It's like clearly these woods are infested with both bandits and goblins. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm not sure why they played it that way. So, anyway. So. And the kids suggest travel by river, but Eric says there are dangerous creatures in the water. And I'm like, oh, like more of those uh, serpents that. Yeah. Remember the serpent that didn't do anything? Yeah, more of the, uh. More of the thing that I thought was a, a, a tentacle was a serpent or something. And Aiden's dragon scar alerts her again and a dragon comes overhead and then appears to be hit by something and falls. And they decide that the injured dragon is an orphan and they should help it. I'm not exactly sure why they decide it's an orphan, but I mean, this isn't a tiny dragon. It's young, but... Think, like, smallish pony-sized dragon as opposed to immense. And then the bandits that weren't in those woods, allegedly, come out looking for the dragon... And you see... Something running in the underbrush, and you're somewhat led to think it was a goblin. But it's not. Yes, the kids have all dressed themselves up as goblins, like more like very sort of like little forest people type. They're trying to like go for that. You like, know, they attach like the bark to their faces. Yeah. One of them drops a hornet nest from overhead. And they, 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 they trip them up, and at one point, oh, and at one point. Uh, what's her name? Aiden is ready to protect the dragon with just a stick. 
Yeah, but which one is the one? Who was it? She goes up to the raider or to the uh, the poacher guy, the bandit, and she tries to scare him. Who was that that does that? And then he says, "You're not a goblin." One of the kids. It was one of the one of the girls. I don't yeah. remember. It's Aiden. Who's the other one that's not Aiden? Oh, Rosalind was one of the older ones. Must have been Rosalind. I'm guessing. <laughs> well, if you ever watch this movie and I got their names wrong, feel free to come at me, to, to at me with it. But, you know, if you decide to watch this movie. Which, yeah, I actually do <laughs> it recommend it. It's available on Amazon Prime. For free. For free if you have Amazon Prime anyway, yeah. but there's no additional uh, rental. Yeah. So Aiden is prepared to protect the dragon with a stick against a group of bandits who have real weapons. And then a hooded woman in red comes out and defends the dragon with a staff. And after her hood is down and reveals her ears, she is revealed to be an elf. Her name is Serwyn. And by elf, I mean like Lord of the Rings style elf. Yeah. She slaps Eric repeatedly for leaving, for not saying goodbye, and for stealing the Orb of Borealis. Yeah. Yeah, the Orb of Borealis. That's what it's called, folks. Kid you not. So it turns out that Eric is Father Christmas's son... The North is dying without the orb, and it makes time run slower in the North, which is how Father Christmas lives so long. Serwin says it can pretty much do anything, and Eric says it can't. And the reason why he took the orb is his mother died five years ago, and he thought he could turn back time and save her, which apparently didn't work. Which is kind of a trope with magic, is... You know, not being able to actually bring back the dead. Like, that tends to be a pretty standard fantasy limitation. Even if there's a world with zombies or whatever, that's not bringing them back, not really. How about this Pie Maker guy on that show? Well, the Pie Maker guy is kind of an exception to the trope. The Pie Maker from Pushing (coughs) Up Daisies. Yeah, Yeah, but somebody would drop. Yeah, even then, like, there's this... There was a price to pay. Yes, there was a price. You can't... Die. There's very few fantasy anything where you can just use magic to bring somebody back and they're gonna be totally normal at no cost and this time it just failed to work. Next you see Aiden using herbs to treat the wound on the dragon, just like maybe er- herbal paste and like spreading it over the hole in the wing. And she's worried that the dragon won't be able to travel through the snarl, which is... It's this stretch of woods that basically look a bit more like realistic, uh... Not summer-looking. You know, it's it's a bit more gnarled-looking, less green. It still doesn't look... That sinister, I mean, as someone who actually spends time in the actual woods... Yeah, no. I mean, it looks cool, actually. But, you know, I, I think that's what they're working with in uh, that combination of special effects and uh, 
They're like, hey, we got some woods with a few less leaves. Cool, let's film here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, this dragon looks different from the other ones that we saw earlier. <coughs> it's blue, blue eyes, no whiskers. I think on some level they were trying to have it a, have a face a bit like Toothless. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, again, I like I like that design. Not any like the big eye design. It's not like it's not like oh they blatantly copied the design. It's different no, it enough. Look, no, it doesn't look that much like Toothless. The only <laughs> similarity is the eyes. You got big eyes. It is. Oh, I like that. It is slightly reminiscent of Toothless. Eh, slightly. I don't know. It looked to me more like a a very young like dinosaur design or something. Oh, you're the expert. No, I'm not. But on oh, dinosaur designs, yes. Yeah, but like I don't know, it's like dragony, dinosaur-ish. Like again, I like that design, but I don't know. It's, You'll see it's it if cute. You choose to watch it. They go on without the dragon. They tell it to catch up when it can. They travel through first green, grassy, wooded areas, and then they get to the Snarl, which is, like as we said, somewhat more barren, overgrown with moss. It's not that weird. Yeah. And that's where the goblins live. And Eric thinks, oh, they're, they're elves deep down. But Serwin says, no, the Snarl makes the elves forget who they are. So that's it. Once an elf turns into a goblin, it's that's a goblin. It, it does not remember being an elf. And these goblins look, you know, Lord of the Rings goblins. You know, skinny orcs. Yeah. I like the design. I, I prefer the oh, person in an orc mask look to, like Pure the C CGI. the CGI. Like yeah, I'll agree with you on that. The goblins give chase, and Finn falls down in mud. Sarwin has to fight, and, and the kids fight too, and Sarwin seems to be being affected by the place. You can see, like, veins kind of showing in her face, which I'm not actually sure if they're were part of her design before the goblin stuff started to happen or not, but you can see that she is starting to begin a goblin transformation herself. The dragon arrives flying and scares off the goblins. And by this point, Sarwin is very obviously starting to become a goblin too and Eric is trying to stop it he does successfully use the orb to stop the and reverse the goblin transformation from happening and then they kiss and one of the kids says disgusting now we were going to talk about 
part of this film's PG-13 rating was for quote-unquote sexual content. Yeah, that's there is like, no sexual content. No, there's like, kissing occasionally. There's like one or two times people kiss. And it's, you see a bare shoulder. And they make like... And they make googly eyes at each other. Yeah, and like... Yeah, you, you, there's like... You know, part of their legs are bare. Or their shoulders bare. And it's like... Oh, my... No. It's like... Like, this would be, like, rated that if this were, like, I don't know. Maybe this is, like, given some sort of international, like, very prudish rating. Or maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's, uh, depends on location or anything. But seriously, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, there's no, there's nothing like that in this. At most, there's, like... There's some bloodless sword and stick fighting... And, like, two kisses. And it got a PG-13 rating. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the parents getting burned could arguably warrant something like that. But really, I'd say PG is more like it. At most. Aiden and another kid are riding the dragon. They get out of the snarl and they reach Father Christmas's home. And Father Christmas is looking very old <coughs> and uh, unwell on his throne. And he's got his Christmas list with him. To me, it reminded me of Theoden from Lord of the Rings when he was under Saruman's spell and aged by it. Yeah. And Eric returns the orb to his father and he's deeply regretful for having taken it, but they think it's probably too late. Go. And the kids think of all of their wishes oh. that have come true. Sherry did some research on this, and it's a kickstart. The whole thing was a kickstart. And we also noticed that was a lot of the cast had similar names, you said, and you thought that they might have been related. That was the budget for it. Uh, $51,205. Oh, that's not bad for, like, a, a budget that's lower than what, like... That'd be like our combined finances for a year. <laughs> or something like that. Well, they think that it's too late to help Father Christmas, <laughs> and the kids yeah. start thinking of all their wishes that have come true. One of them straight up wished for a dragon. Yeah, I know. That's the best <laughs> part. One of them actually wished for a dragon. One of Good them wished on for freedom one, from being forced into servitude. Yeah. Another wished for a family... So, uh, nice meaningful wishes there. Yep. But even that wasn't enough to reverse the effect of the orb having been taken. And Eric and the kids set about doing the work to make the Christmas still happen, even if Father Christmas can't do it himself. So they're, you know, getting the toys ready and... They say they don't know how to pull the sleigh without magic, so they're going to use the dragon. And I'm like, dragons are magic. Just picture Stannis like, dragons are magic, Davos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. That's the, we've, even, we've even said that a few times while watching it. There's a few moments where it's just like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly this is just breaking all laws of 
anything that even resembles physics at this point. So, you know, I'm not going to quite nitpick that. But I will note it with, you know, amusement. So, yes, they do successfully hitch the dragon to the sleigh and yeah. uh, fly with it. Someone or something is throwing fireballs as they fly over the woods. And Rosalind almost falls out. She's, like, dangling. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, fly yeah, higher, saying, fly higher. That, yeah, that's what I liked about that. Fly higher, higher. Although, at this point, they're high enough off the ground. If she were to fall, I don't th- I think one yeah. fall would be just as bad as the other. <laughs> they do successfully get her back into the sleigh. They take it to the village, deliver the presents for the kids. And their thought that is, if all those kids get their presents and they're going to ring the bell and they're all going to wake up at once and all that Christmas cheer and spirit for all those wishes coming true is going to get the orb started again. Yeah, exactly. And the orb does start to shine. And Sister uh, Lenore, Lenora, I'm sorry, I'm mixing her name up with a different nun from a different thing. <sighs> Lenora. Yeah, Lenora. See, I'm mixing her up with Septa Lamore from a diff- from Thrones, and I'm like, no, Sister yeah. Lenora. Finds them out of bed, says she was worried sick. And uh, the priest with her says that there is no Father Christmas. And then Sisletter Lenora gets a scarf as a gift. And. Just like her mother had. Yes, and she's thrilled. And the father gets. It appeared to be a Bible. Yes. I'm sorry I'm not giving them by name, but you said there were two different priests and they had two different names. I don't know which is which. there's an actual Bible shown? I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. That's what he wanted, I believe. And it's... A big, thick book that might be a Bible. Yes. They don't actually say that it is, but... It most logically is most likely a Bible. There were very few books. It's unlikely that most of them can read. Right. And then at that point, somebody catches a kid from behind. An angry mob has come for the dragon. And also, Gazaret and Borntal are there for Rosalind. And one of the kids says they're going to have to kill them to get to the dragon. And this is, you know, a torches and pitchforks mob. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just a full-on mob. And this was my first exposure to this. Because I didn't see it the whole way through. I walked and finished. The very first thing I did was uh, my encounter this. Is I walked in on it. It's like, oh, this is not very Christmas-like. I'm a bloodthirsty <laughs> mob. 
Aiden speaks up for the dragon. She says she knows the danger of dragons. She lost her parents to a dragon. But she was able to look past that. And the dragon is an orphan like her. And the dragons won't hurt people if people don't hurt them. It's true that, you know... It's true enough. The dragons that burn people were having their eggs threatened. They didn't understand. And she also was... uh, What is it? She did relate to that dragon. She was at first not like... In the beginning, not really happy about it. And reluctant to, you know, go near it or anything. And then she... Realized that they were very similar in that way. They're like, yeah, like yeah. But what about when the dragon grows up? And she says Christmas is about forgiving and understanding, and it reminds us to think of others instead of ourselves. This dragon saved our lives. And it's helped us deliver Christmas. That's and the they say, there is no Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Except for that kid who wished for the dragon. It's Christmas for him, all right. And they need to ring the bell to bring Christmas. And Aiden is holding a crossbow. And she pretty much has the choice of she can use the crossbow to defend herself against... I'm sorry. It was Rosalind again. I. It was, okay. It was Rosalind. To be fair, like you said, I can tell them half apart half the time. She has the choice <laughs> to ring the bell and give everyone wake up and get their Christmas cheer or use the crossbow to protect herself. And she rings the bell and the kids wake up to their presence and Father Christmas starts to revive from all that Christmas cheer. Yeah, and then he... so. And the tax collector comes for the kids. Aiden stands up to her. So does Eric. And they're, 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 they're about to go after the kids anyway, however. And uh, Aiden says that the dragon will burn them if... Will burn the, the tax collector if she touches them. And... Uh, Gazowitz says a good dragon is a dead dragon. And fires the crossbow at it, and just then Aiden just jumps right in front of it. She now I'm not take sure where the head. She was no joke about to take the crossbow bolt to the dome. So what were you saying? You're not sure what. I wasn't sure whether it was going to hit or not. No, it looked like it was going to hit. It would either. <coughs> what happened next didn't happen. And then time. Massively slowed down to the point of almost freezing. So the crossbow bolt is just like frozen in air, very slowly going toward her. And Father. Close. Very close. And Father Christmas just walks up with his orb glowing on the end of his staff and grabs the arrow out of midair. And he then banishes Gazaret and Borntal from the land for their. Various yeah. crimes. Yeah, they were... They, they get to live, but they're banished. That's the, uh... They make a whole thing out of... Yeah, I thought this land was under the control of Lord What's-His-Name. Why, uh... Is... Well, different kind of control, I think, maybe. It's not like he owned the land, you know, Father Christmas. But... Then again, he's the guy there with the magic staff. I'm not arguing. 
Yep. He thanks Sarwin and the kids for finding his son and bringing him home. I would say Father Christmas was more faith-based as opposed to Lord, Lord whatever is money-based and land-based. And he will let all the kids come and live with him and the ones that have already been, you know, sold to work in the mines. He'll pick them up on the way back. Yeah. He'll so, save them on his way back. <laughs> and so they fly <laughs> off on the sleigh. They fly over the bandits who fall into the water. And like I said, their makeup is unruined from their fall. Yeah, All their war paint, yeah. But it's, it's part of the large part of the budget. And they've got... And then Eric and Sarah would get married in a nice, like, fey wedding kind of... Yeah. Hence the PG-13 rating, I guess. They kiss. Yeah. <laughs> and the dragon just flies overhead. Soon as the ceremony is over, end of film. Yeah. So, yeah, this was a kickstart, uh, started by Aerostorm Entertainment, who, um, like to make films, or do make films, that are sci-fi and fantasy genres. Yeah, maybe we'll have to review another one of their films. Well, there's a few of them. Uh, they raised the... Little over fifty-one thousand dollars in twenty-nine days. That's how long the kickstart lasted. And they're based in Utah, so they yeah. filmed in Utah. I mean, they could have spent that much money just uh, going to location. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and a lot of the yeah, actors, you look at uh, Lord of the Rings and how they have to get everyone to New Zealand if they're not from there right. already and and yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these people didn't get paid cash but you know, they got credit. They maybe got their meal for the day. Uh they seem to all, a lot of them share last names, so I'm guessing a number of them are related. Um, including what appears to be family members of the director. Um, Want to read off any main character cast names? Okay. Yeah. So Aiden is Bailey Michelle Johnson, Rosalind is Paris Warner, Finn is David DeVilliers. Oh, wait one second here. Okay. Um, you say Aiden? Yes. Well, here's young Aiden here. And oh, I should say the... there are two, di- there's an older and a younger and Aiden. And they have the same last name. Yes, Amy Lynn Johnson, so they're probably sisters or cousins. Yeah. Hoyt, you know, one of the orphan boys. It, sorry, no. One of the girls. See, I'm 
terrible at seeing who is who in this. Ruby Jones. Rand is Jacob Buster. Eric is Jake Stormon. Sarwin is Melanie Stone. Garrett as Talon G. Ackerman. Father Christmas. Adam Johnson. Gazared. Rennie Grains. Hey, yeah. don't be like this dog. No. It's frustrated because we were brushing off the bed, I guess. Bortall uh. is Danny James. No growl dog. No. Leaf. I really don't know which one is Leaf. Yeah, which one was Leaf? Is that one of the bandits? I think so. Paul D. Hunt. Asa is Eve Morrow. The barkeep is D.L. Walker. Sister Lenore is Heather Beers. Father Mandel is Richard Blair. Father Thacker is Kenan Griffin. Marcus is Cooper Johnson, the old elf who was going through the goblin transformation is James C. Morris. The ogre is Siante Williams. Uh, the old man is Bob Walkingshaw. Once again, I don't know who the old man is. Maybe one of the uh, Torches and Pitchforks guys. Tomac is James Gaseford. Snarflute. Who's Snarflute? I don't know. Is that that's, the, uh, that's the a, ogre? That's a... No, we already credited the ogre. Okay, it's... Is that. Jamie Anthony. The wagon master is Matt Birch. And the tavern patron is Lizzie Anderson. Snarflute. I don't know what that is. Is that what it is? Snarflute? Snarflute? What? Spell it. S-N-A-R-F-L-O-O-T. And not that I want to skip crediting anyone, but then there's a lot of tavern patrons and villagers. Two other orphans unnamed. And a guy who plays a soldier and a drunk. Andrew D. Jones. Or maybe he was a drunk soldier. I'm not sure. Uh. Director John Lidd. Story John Lidd. And screenplay by Charlotte and David... I'm sorry, I can't read this last one. Ad... Adank. And yes, this was filmed in Provo, Utah. There you go. So yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I it's, I, too. I recommend it enough as a nice little, like I said, if you have like you know some like you know eight or nine year olds and you want to watch. It's as nice good as any other Christmas kids film. Pretty much, it's better than some. It's more uh, entertaining than a lot of them. 
um, you know, che- all cheesiness and weirdness aside. Oh, if you just want to watch, like, anything with a dragon in it. Yeah. Yeah, watch the that. cute dragons, too. Yeah. So, yeah, we recommend it. Thank you for listening to our Christmas special. Uh, We will be continuing with Lord of the Rings. Eventually, I mean... Still, you know, I I have a work schedule that's variable and other things that are going on, but we will continue with Lord of the Rings. We'll continue with our... uh, going over the different film adaptations. The next one is going to be the Rankin-Bass Hobbit, and the next chapter from Lord of the Rings is going to be The Shadow of the Past. And we're going to get some more Game of Thrones as well. And uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.